Hi, everyone. Jackson here. We had something really special planned for our 100th episode. Uh, former Canucks general manager Mike Gillis was supposed to be on the show. It was amazing. Spencer set it up for us. He had us over to his house. We talked for over an hour about the Aquilinis, Colin Campbell, Tim Thomas's pads. And uh, he even confirmed a long-standing rumor about his former client, Pavel Bure, and former Canucks captain, Mark Messier. But then, Vias showed up an hour and a half late and spilled dumpling sauce all over the mixing board, and we lost the whole thing. So, guess we're doing a fucking clip show instead. Thanks, Vias. Okay, uh, so obviously we're kind of known for being goofy, doing a lot of jokey episodes, but uh, I think the moment we really arrived was uh, our episode with Ramina Schla. That was when we started to get more comfortable digging into uh, kind of the darker side of the NHL. I couldn't think of a way to delineate between the uh, clips, so I don't know. I guess I'll just use the law and order sound. All right, folks, welcome to another episode of Roxy Fever. I am your host, Jackson McDonald. With me, as always. Hi, everybody. It's Vyas Turan. And Elliot Hoyt. Obviously, uh, it's been a big week. And, you know, we we normally like to keep things uh, pretty light. But the time just calls for uh, sometimes to, to do a more serious one. So we're obviously talking about the big issue that's come up this week, which is... Um, which NHL mascots are the hottest and most fuckable? So uh, joining us is resident mascot expert, Ramina Schla. Ramina, how's it going? Good. How are you? I'm fantastic. I'm really excited to get into this. Uh, I'm excited to have somebody who I think is more than qualified to address this issue with us. Why don't we just start by... Could you give us like a, a, a top five, perhaps, or you can just take us through maybe actually a, a better place to start would be, why don't you take us through your parameters here for how you how you determine this? Right. So I had four categories he puts um, the or RAM ra- in parameters. <laughs> Very good. Um, so I had not. So I had four different ranking, whatever it's called. Criteria. Um, yes. Thank yeah. you. So one is how horny they make me. Second is length of tongue or similar limbs. Now I know a tongue is not a limb, but you get it. I understand. Great. Um, Third is how unlike an animal they look like. Um, So this might be a bit confusing that one. If they rank lower than they um, that that's like worse for them. So the more Um, they seem like an animal, the better is what you're saying. Exactly. Okay. That's interesting. Yeah. And, and then last one is creepiness level now. So I had different like uh point system for each of these. So like creepiness level would be like on a scale of two to seven. Don't ask me why. That's just how I wanted to do it. That's very <laughs> NHL scout. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Right? Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but see, the thing is like somebody like gritty on the creepiness level would get a seven and that's amazing for him. But see somebody like Hunter for Edmonton would get like a nine on a scale of two to seven. And that's right. bad. That would okay. bring him way down. So All it's right. a very confusing wow. system um, that <laughs> nobody like else it. would understand except me. I want you to look at the fo- at that picture of all those mascots and tell me who you think would be in my top five. Uh, well, I mean, you mentioned like length of limbs, right? So I I have to assume that like Al at least piques yes. interest for that reason. 
Absolutely, and also is, he is. is like a tentacle knot kind of, it kind of crosses into a tongue territory, doesn't it? Exactly. And he's got eight of them. Yeah. Yes, yeah. please. <laughs> so he is in my top five. Who else okay. do you think? Um, I mean, I, this is this is maybe cheating a little, but like, um, what are you going to say? Like very green or victory green? I that's just I, knowing your audience, you he, know, no, because he looks okay. too nice. And I don't <laughs> like that. It's like, no, I need you to make me feel like a piece of shit. <laughs> Rams is far from the only great guest we've had on, though. Cody Sievertson's appearances have always been fun, giving us lots of farm updates. Uh, joining us now for our beloved segment down on the farm with Cody Sievertson. It's Cody Sievertson. Cody, how's it going? Oh, it's going good. You know, just, uh, you know, following up on the farm and stuff. A lot of tractors, a lot of, you know, excavators and stuff. How are uh, the crops doing? Well, you know, uh, my uncle Jim we uh we sold early on a lot of crops didn't make a lot of money off of them but uh you know uh <laughs> we got some good yields uh a big if you're a big corn fan you know uh we we got a lot of that a lot of meat and potatoes too meat's a really tough thing to harvest you know well I, you are the uh the brainchild behind uh Canucks harvest i haven't uh, taken a look at the old farmers almanac this year but uh uh, what 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 can we we expect out of the harvest this year? You know, we we live day to day, <laughs> and an almanac, an all an almond mac, a, a bit a what an almond mac, yeah, a, a McAlmond, It tells you the time of day when the sun comes up and down, and you know that's the kind of you know stuff that we like at the Canucks organization and the Canucks harvest because. Because we live day to day, and so does the sun. And of course, there's the episodes we did with the Canucks Conversation Boys, David Quadrelli. All right, so quads, have you have you seen any of these movies? Scarface. No. Vertigo. No. Pulp Fiction. No. Schindler's List. No. Terminator. No. Terminator Two. No. Terminator Three. No. Titanic. No. Uh, catch me if you can. Nope. Django Unchained. I used to think Django Unchained was like the animated movie about the lizard, but that's called Durango. <laughs> Rango. Yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, that's really good. And Chris Faber. Okay. So, uh, would you put mustard on watermelon? Oh, absolutely. Sushi. Oh, sushi. You know, I haven't tried it, but I can't see it being a bad thing. Yeah, I'd put mustard on sushi. Waffles. Ooh. Yeah, you know, waffles could use a little bit of a tang. I'd say yes, mustard on waffles. Uh, Cheetos. Absolutely, no question. Quesadillas. The cheese works so well with the mustard, I'd have to say yes. (laughs) Fruitcake. See, this is where you... (sighs) Fruitcake. See, it depends on the fruit. If we're talking berries, I'd have to think about it. But if you're mixing any grapes in there, absolutely, yes. Pizza. Pizza. I think if you if you put hot sauce on there, yes, because it would be a nice little a little mix with the toppings, the cheese, a little hot sauce, mustard, hot mustard and pizza. I can get down with it. Spaghetti. The quads isn't listening, right? Because I'm going to say yes. <laughs> okay, perfect. Yeah. <laughs> Moussaka. I don't even know what that is, <laughs> but yes, as we grew more comfortable with doing the show every week, we began to branch out and tackle a broad range of topics from NHL history, like Elliot's solo series on lockouts, for instance. This week's episode is brought to you by Harrison's Maternity Wear, designed specifically to give you the mobility you need to do a Robin dance routine in an abandoned parkade. Harrison's Maternity Wear is perfect for wearing under a hockey jersey while gestating the next generation of hockey fan. While I haven't used these myself, nor has Mrs. Lockouts, my maternal friends have told me that these pants are unparalleled in comfort, fit, and the all-important stretch factor. So if you're interested, head on over to harrisonsmoonternitywear.com and use promo code LOCKOUTS for 10% off your first order. Hello, and welcome to Lockouts. 
episode 3.06, The Six Days Negotiation. After Gary Bettman's offer on October the 16th, which, to recap, included a 50-50 split of hockey-related revenue, the NHLPA proposed three separate counter-proposals. However, only one of these proposals included the 50-50 revenue split that Bettman had locked the players out for originally, and that proposal required the league honor all existing contracts. Bettman, really wanting that 50% line in the sand, went right back to the players and said thanks, but no thanks. Bill Daly, the deputy commissioner, pointed out that honoring the existing contracts would be on top of the much-vaunted 50-50 split, making it 56-44. The players reacted to this much the way you imagined they would. Hey, you signed those contracts, it's only fair that you honor these contracts. With the clock ticking, and both sides understanding that not having a deal by the end of October would result in much less than 82 games being played, and hey, we're here to play hockey, remember? That's where this revenue is coming from. But with the players not meeting Bettman's line in the sand, Bettman called off the round of negotiations and the October 25th deadline came and went, spelling the end of hopes for an 82-game season. Much less concerningly, the Winter Classic was also cancelled on November 2nd. Now that's not to make it seem like nothing was accomplished, the league and players weren't that far apart on some issues. On November 6th, a secret round of negotiations started up again. Meeting at a neutral, undisclosed location, the league and PA tried again to hammer this thing out. Which went a lot better than the accidental Elliot solo episode that went up the time I accidentally lost everyone else's audio. Yep. Oh, nice. Oh, yeah. But that was still somehow more listenable than the episode Vias and Elliot did by themselves without me. What's your favorite transit line? Well, I was I was at my old place. I was taking the R four, and I was really impressed with the R four. It's very fast. My favorite bus. It's just the bus that I have a story from, really is the 41 because I think in first year university, I just got really drunk at Mahoney and Sons. Got a bus home because I lived on the east, uh, like the the terminus pretty much, like around Joyce Collingwood. So drunk, I get on the bus. I got off at every major stop to throw up. I'm not going to throw up on the bus. Just never do that. But that means I had to take the bus. I'd still get back on the bus. I'd left around midnight. So from like midnight to like 3 a.m., I got off. Oak Street, get off, throw up, wait for the next bus for like 45 minutes, wait for the next bus, still had to throw up again, threw up again, got off the bus, <sighs> got on again. I've done that with the three once. Uh-huh. It was not good. What's your favorite town to go kayaking in? Or like, what's your favorite area to go kayaking? My favorite place that I've ever kayaked probably would be like Manning Park. Oh, yeah? Just because like, obviously just beautiful scenery. Mm-hmm. Um, um, what what body of water is that? Whichever the middle of the three lightning name lakes are. Lightning name because there's like three lakes. There's like or there's four lightning, flash, strike, whoa, and thunder. Maybe well, just because like this is the other thing too about if you're into another BC geography lesson. Everything in BC when it comes to like less important geography, all the net names usually have a theme or something, just because you've got like 20 peaks to name and you're some bored guy. So you have to just name them all. So like in behind Whistler, you have the Shakespeare, a couple Shakespeare mountains. There's like Iavolo, Macbeth. Obviously on the Coquihalla, there's a bunch of, uh, there's a bunch more Shakespeare names up on the Coke. Cause you have like the Othello tunnels, then Juliet Creek. Lear is one of the tiny villages that doesn't exist anymore. There's um, the Lord of the Rings group near the Brian Waddington hut. Okay. Where you have like, Mount Gandalf, Mount Aragorn, Mount Shadowfax. I've seen you now about the four time, baby, but you know that I got nothing to say. There's literally no notable people segment in the Wikipedia page for Fort Langley. Really? I'm going to Google famous people from Fort Langley. Who are famous people to you from Fort Langley? (laughs) My cousin has an IMDb page. Oh, doing what? Acting acting yeah nice he was in scooby-doo too monsters unleashed it's so charming just to look on your face but your eyes invited something i just can't do now 
what, where do you buy kayaks and kayak accessories? You pretty much have to know the dealers for us because it's uh-huh. such a small sport in North America. With Surski taking up, there's a few people that sell paddles now, but my preferred paddle supplier is this one guy who defected from Slovakia to Canada in the 70s. <laughs> he made the Canadian Olympic team, I believe, 76. Okay. He was also, he's a bit of a legend. He was also a shop teacher in Carleton, small town, Ontario, near Ottawa. Okay. Okay. Like the town of Carleton, not the university. Um, okay. And he taught shop and allegedly he taught kids to make paddles and then he would, but he would give them all the materials to do it. And then he'd turn around and sell them. <laughs> <laughs> wow. He'd be like, kids, you can either pay me a hundred dollars for the materials for your paddles and then you have to have this thing or you can do it for free and then i get to sell it and everyone's like yeah sure mm, that's bad right <laughs> i don't know <laughs> like my heart my heart tells me that's bad but i had a shop teacher who was worse his name was and when i was in high school there happened to be an election every year of some sort like there was probably like two or three federal elections. Oh, that kind of election. I was like, I think you have like a student council election every year. That's oh. pretty normal. <laughs> it's usually a one-year term. <laughs> there was always like a federal election going on or a provincial election, like each year for sure. And a shop teacher who he ran for the Christian Heritage Party in all those elections. This is an extremely conservative, like pro-life conservative religious party. He was very serious about that. But, I mean, he was a shop teacher. So, like, what's the worst that could happen? It just sucks to be, like, the one shop teacher who's normal. I hear you calling. Calling for me out in the night. The square dance unit that we all had to have for whatever reason. Uh, yeah, because of racism. Because yes. of racism. That's a good bit. Thanking your Patreon donors. I bet that's a good way to get more Patreon donors. That's probably that's probably a good idea. We probably need to do a little bit of We probably should actually read our Patreon owners and thank them if they'd be cool with that. You're absolutely right. How about we do that? Fuck, what's the fucking password? <laughs> Fuck. Jackson has a password. <laughs> Jackson has a password now, so we'll do that another time. <laughs> this is definitely like I think Jackson did this on purpose. Oh yeah. I think he was just a complete like fluff episode. <laughs> How are we doing for time? This could be a high note to end on. But by far my favorite moments in show history were when we dropped all pretense of being a weekly analysis show in favor of high concept narrative episodes like our critically acclaimed Christmas episode. Jackson was just a mild-mannered content creator trying to generally manage his work-life balance. Is that Jim Benning on the roof? Boy, Francesco sure is taking this whole saving money thing seriously and stuff. You hurry up, uh, that way the man is going to fix itself. I think you just killed Jim Benning. But this Christmas, he's going to find out. The Santa Claus? What the hell is the Santa Claus? That being a general manager isn't all it's cracked up to be. Let me just check cap friendly. It says here that in the event of the death of the general manager, the position will divert to the sole owner of a signed photo of Tommy Santala. That's not mine, that belongs to Vias. Is this your name on the receipt? (sighs) Well, what if I don't want the job? Then there will be millions of disappointed Redditors. From Roxy Fever Productions, the studio that brought you such holiday hits as Angry Little Elf and Vern Fiddler on the Roof. Jackson, what the hell happened to your hair? Oh, you know, um, I've just been trying out the Just for Men. Coming this Friday. He's not Jim Benning. He is too Jim Benning. Jim, I've looked at the numbers on this OEL trade. They don't bear out what I think you're probably expecting. Seeing, um... Isn't believing, believing is um, seeing and stuff. That doesn't make any sense. What the hell are you talking about? The Santa Claus, rated PG-13.
And my personal favorite, Oops All Bennings, featuring Jim Benning, Jim Benning, and Jim Benning. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Roxy Fever. I am your host, Jim Benning, with me as always. Uh, yeah, it's uh, me also, Jim Benning. Thanks for having me on. Hi, can you hear me? Can you can you make me out? Yeah, Jim, I can. You're coming in loud and clear over here. You know, you sound great, Jim. Okay, it's also Jim Benning. We got uh, John White's board joining us in a little bit. Uh, first up, we got a lot of like draft picks and stuff we could use on um, fourth line centers or like AHL defensemen. Well, what do you guys think? Well, uh, well, we got a lot of centers already and stuff like, you know, like. We've got, like, you know, we've got Brandon Sutter, you know, waiting to play. And he's a good, been a good player for us. So I think what we want to do and stuff, like, you know, like I've been prioritizing a defenseman in the draft this year. But I don't know about maybe Jim, if you want to speak up on what Jim is talking about. Well, I went on this thing called grinder looking for a bottom six center oh i love grinders that sounds like a good website kind of uh you know a misnome misnomy you know they don't have fourth line centers or wingers it was just not like that so we're going to have to draft and develop you know it's we, you know, when I first showed up, that was the plan. We had a plan to draft and develop our forwards. Yeah, I was. I went on Grinder for you know just a couple days in free free agency there, and I couldn't believe how many times I saw Ethan Bear on there. <laughs> I'm a I'm a big fan of uh, the big orange guy out of um, F- Fidel, <laughs> F- Fidel, Fidel, uh, Philly, you know, with the, with the beard, he's got a, a big body. Everybody says he's gritty, and I think the team could um, use more grit and stuff. Oh yeah. He was on our draft board, I think, you know, when I first joined the team. The whole Zach McEwen thing, that was supposed to be a trade, okay? We were supposed to get Gritty, and no, they, they, they didn't trade Gritty to us. A bit confusing, too, because, you know, I always figured they would have too much grittiness on that lineup if they got them for free and stuff. So it'd be one for one, you know? Well, thanks for coming on guys. Uh, John Weisbach was supposed to join us uh, today, but uh, we kind of ran out of time. Well, that's uh, pretty much everything I could come up with. So I guess this bit is over now. See you guys all next week. Speed, agility, power. I'm a big fan of these things. All of the performance I demand for myself on the ice is here. Handles all of my needs in dynamic fashion. folks uh welcome to the dumbest thing we've ever done um if uh if everything went correctly uh you just listened to our very first totally 100 real clip show joining me now for uh for the back half of the episode as always are uh vias and elliot how are you guys doing today hey guys hey we're doing great 
sweaty and ready. We finally did it, boys. Episode 100. How are you guys feeling? Oh, pretty good. I had no, I, I feel like it's a cliche to say this, but I did not think we would do 100 episodes of this. Yeah. I don't know what I thought we were going to do when we started this show, but uh, after doing 99 of these, I'm somehow even more blown away that we made it to 100 than I would have been if you told me that when we started. There was a good chance there that this <laughs> we never made it to 100 after the 99th episode. Just the way things were going there. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> we we tried to we tried on so many occasions to do shit for this and it fell apart literally every single time. So I so like I'm the one who can apologize for that. Every time it was my fault because I had my bar exam and then I had to recently I had to help move um, yeah. my partner into my place. But now that I'm done my exams, I ever since I finished, I was so excited to do an episode. Hell because yeah. Most of the time in the last few months, every time I did an episode, I was kind of stressed out totally. uh, just from being burned out from other stuff. Um, and I'm so happy to be doing this right now. Uh, I have not paid any attention to the Canucks in the last few weeks. I don't know what's going on in our group chats whatsoever. <laughs> um, but yeah, we made it to 100. Uh, it, it, it definitely feels odd that in chats or whatever, people ask me about Canucks stuff and I'm like, I... <laughs> I'm the one with the podcast, but I don't know what's going on. But I have no, that's the point, man. This is the, the whole thing of having a podcast that I've like realized over time, both doing them and listening to them is that you are supposed to just know absolutely nothing and just confidently state your opinion at every opportunity and uh, just never pay attention to what anyone uh, says about it. And if people uh, say that you're wrong or you happen to say something wrong you just never address it and you just move on um yeah, yeah. obviously we just played a bunch of uh you know to, as i said totally real uh clips already but i am curious to get your guys's thoughts on like is there a is there a moment from the first 99 that sticks out to you guys as like your favorite experience doing uh doing the show to say first one that comes up is the draft for sure because we got to yeah. get out there friends that was that was so much fun uh everything got worse after that in the yep. world not yep. not the podcast but also the podcast <laughs> yeah the draft is such an easy choice in terms of like actual things within the podcast mm -hmm. i think all of our movie episodes yeah absolutely mm -hmm. yeah doing the movie stuff is super fun particularly um the one that i always mention is the Ice Guardians episode. That one was I was still drinking when we did that one. And I got pretty heated off of like six white claws. Um, and uh, I just remember like not only learning about Scott Parker, who is fucking amazing, but then finding all those quotes where he basically said Steve Moore deserved it. <laughs> was that was a that was a big that, that one's highlight. up there that one's up there with uh vladimir krutov no 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 sergey shirokov sergey shirokov yeah talking i'm glad you riot. mentioned that one yeah um yeah. yeah him talking about the riot and how uh, it wasn't that bad um was just was, perfectly perfectly landing on our hands just like a beautiful little dove yes uh, those moments the riot episode was also really that was probably one of our like better yes. episodes in terms of like actually advancing whatever the point of the show is to <laughs> yeah which we're, every, i think we're still figuring out along with every episode we had with tyler um yeah i think absolutely. and i do think that too yeah going back to the crew tabs shirokov thing part of that was uh the two episodes we did on uh great russians in yes. uh, canucks history uh i learned so much from that and i know other people did as well uh i really really had a good time doing the episode with dustin uh oh yeah dustin of course yeah, uh, that's the one that I have received the most messages about. Uh, that's awesome. I'm across. super glad to hear that, actually. Just random people who are like, I'm a teacher and I play this for my students. <laughs> like that one oh, blew wow. me blew me away. And I uh, really happy to do that. I'd like to do more stuff like that now that I have a bit more brain space. Um, but generally, anything that had to do with seriously educating people and ourselves at the same time and mm -hmm. hanging out with our friends was always, was always the best because yeah. we've mentioned this a lot of times. It, it's 
two years of the pandemic, this yeah. is the most consistent conversation I've held with people who weren't my significant the most, other like consistent plural. social life. <laughs> yeah. You mentioned the pandemic. I did love the first episode we recorded of the pandemic. Of the pandemic, a, it's such a time capsule where we like spent the first ten minutes just doing a normal episode. Um, that was a lot of fun. Like I always, any chance I get to do um, something kind of goofy and flex the creative muscles or do like a skit, a, a skit or a sketch or whatever. Like I really enjoyed the Mario. Um, the, the Mario one was like that has that's not available on the SoundCloud anymore, but that oh, no. was so much fun. It is still up on the Roxy Fever website, which, of course, like never gets used, um, but it is on there. It's uh, the episode called uh, Raise Your Hand. If you remembered, we had the website. Yeah. Uh, Roxy Duccio Fever Liano. Um, that was fun. I also uh, enjoyed doing the one with. Uh, sometimes producer of the show read where uh, I did the like Jim Benning Flintstone phone thing. I also like when I still produced the show, I really enjoyed doing all the riot stuff because like I got to do the, the like Alex Jones um, intro for the, for the, I think the um, not the riot episode, but the, uh, the like 2011 conspiracies episode. Yes, um, yes, yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I, uh, I also, Obviously, like, I don't know how we've gotten through all of this without mentioning getting to do the episode with Dan Murphy was probably the highlight for me, even though yeah, like, oh, I've yeah. I've already like I have that wasn't like the first time I've talked to Dan or anything, um, but it was it was great to I think like not only obviously just like it was awesome for all of us to like get to talk to Dan for an hour, but it also felt like um a side of Dan that like people don't get to see that often because he usually has to do like the, the very like uh clean cut, you know, sort of host thing. And I know yeah, I've been usually not talking about himself either. Yeah, Ooh, yeah. And, and anytime he does, he always like comes across looking extremely good and extremely smart as he, as he is. Yeah. But like uh it was, I think really nice to do an episode with him where we didn't, just talk about like, you know, integrating stats on the broadcast and like, you know, what's uh, you know, like, what do you think about the prospects or whatever? Like, he's great when he does that, but it was nice to to just talk to him about like fucking like music recommendations and, uh, you know, skincare routines and, and shit like yeah. that. So, you know, and I was in the middle of like a very not good headspace during or right before that episode. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, that's Um, nice. I um if the podcast ended right now, I would forever remember that as like a highlight of my life. Like because (laughs) as a kid that was just he was he's a hero, right? Yeah, Um, absolutely. All all I did growing up was wait till seven or four thirty to to watch the game and have him announce it while I'm playing Legos or something in front of the TV. Um so I'll always remember that. And I'll also add like the episodes where we got to surprise each other with stuff like the gifts, yeah. Patreon, oh, yeah. or the ca- cameos, uh, mm-hmm. those were also oh yeah, <laughs> fucking awesome to do. Yeah, um, finding a signed photo of Tommy Santala to give yeah. you for when you graduated <laughs> law school was definitely. Uh, <laughs> I I yeah. like I-, I tore myself up like trying to find like, what should I get <laughs> like I got to get something stupid that that's Canucks related and you did. But what do uh, I what do I do? And then when I found that, I was like, ah, perfect. Yeah, Jackson's uh, avatar on Twitter used to be used to be the, uh, from that photo of Tommy Santola, a uh, uh, Canucks winger from for many years ago from the golden era yes. of uh, mid two thousands. And because I have that photo now posted up on my wall, as Jackson saw when he came over, yes, I did. Back, when I'm walking around my place and I see that photo, I get spooked because I think you're looking at me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's so, and that that was my Abby for a while gift. too. Like just just pre leisure suit Larianov, it was that for like Who a good six like, months. Which looks like Troy Stetcher's Christmas photo. It's true. He does look a lot like young uh, Igor Larianov looks a lot like Troy Stetcher for some yeah. reason. Yeah. You know, I I mean, obviously, like I've made a lot of friends doing this which has yeah. been awesome yeah. um 
and like all of our, you know, like obviously a lot of, um, I got to shout out a lot of people that were, that were guests, um, on during the clip portion, but, uh, like obviously JD, JMO, the, the episode we recorded with JD and JMO is probably the hardest I've laughed at anything in, uh, like since the start of the pandemic, um, Cody, obviously like always one of my favorite people to have on, uh, all the Brad's cast girls. Yeah. You know, like I could go through and list, list every one of our guests. We already mentioned Tyler. Um, but like, honestly, Audrey and Christina. Uh, well, I mean, yeah. yeah. Becoming friends with Audrey and Christina is like, that was not something I envisioned when the show started. I started the show because I heard their podcast and was like, oh, okay. You don't have to like know anything about hockey to have a <laughs> hockey podcast. Um, the puck bunnies did representation for us and inspired us to have the show. Absolutely. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and I mean, honestly, this, this show was, was kind of a way, like I got very disillusioned with writing about hockey. Um, kind of as we started it and there's a lot of different directions I could have taken it in, but I've, I've really appreciated just kind of letting it be a place for me to talk to my friends about hockey in a way that I find interesting and uh, not just kind of, you know, doing the, the same old like stats shit that I, you know, did ad nauseum for, for three or four years or whatever leading up to this. So it's been uh it's been a ton of fun. But um that's enough navel gazing, I think, unless you guys have anything else you wanted to say about it. Are you guys Anies or Audis? <laughs> God damn it. It's, right. the, it's the last part of navel gazing. I'm curious about your navels. I mean I mean I feel like when you're like can you be fat and not have an uh, and have an Audi? Like that's not how that's that works. Possible. That's not how that works. Okay. Is it? Anyways, yeah. So uh, obviously, this is also our like first episode of the off season now for the Canucks. Um, Vyasa, I know you kind of just stopped paying attention in March, but it does feel appropriate to just kind of have like uh, uh, give our final thoughts yeah, on the season yeah. here while we're here. Overall, like, uh, like, what's your what's your guys' take now uh, that the the season is over and um, we we kind of can see the team in the cold light of day for what it is? Well, my take is that I was once again completely correct. I am the single greatest hockey analyst of all time because I said the Canucks <laughs> would miss and they'd fire Jim Benning. <laughs> yeah, and I, think I have said, no idea if this is what I actually predicted, but I'm pretty sure <laughs> you said they would just miss. More like Elliot Friedman. Hey, I don't remember. I'm reasonably certain that's what I said. Um, but I will admit that I am just, you know what? It, I, it does track. Like, I know that I, I'm pretty sure that I said that they would squeak in the playoffs. Um, so I wasn't too far, but that didn't happen, but I'm pretty sure we did mention that we did think that if they crashed this year, then Benning has gone or we yeah. hoped. I obviously we always hoped, but I'm pretty sure that there was a legit, I did not see them crashing as hard as they did out of the gate no. and uh, yeah, cleaning house in that really awkward, like two step way. I'm glad it happened though. Like the Very minute that happened, the minute that happened, it made this the best Canucks season in eight years. That's when I got so interested in the team. <laughs> when <they> got, <laughs> <laughs> absolutely just tore. Uh, not I am tore shit, so excited to shit. see how Patrick Alvin and everyone else like actually tries to turn this around. I'm not yeah. sure if they can do it, but I believe I'm in excited them to see a lot more than I would believe in most people, if nothing else. For sure. For sure. I believe I kind of think the ceiling for this team is being under this leadership is being yeah. like, and, and this is the optimistic ceiling is being yeah. like the San Jose Sharks. Yeah. It's always being in the conversation, uh, but it ends up being a question of just how good is the rest of the division. And yeah, I don't feel great about how the yeah. rest of the division looks. Um, I do think that if we just are okay with considering whether all our favorite players are not going to be here, uh, anymore that we'll do fine, but nobody wants to think about what a Pedersen was useless, et cetera. Yeah. Looks like. Cause we assume that like, Oh, if they're gone, that means failures. Like, well, we might just have to get rid of them or wait, wait them out. Um, but I believe, I believe in this team so far, I appreciate that they took a long time in selecting people. 
Uh, I think we've already gone through the list of like why we're impressed by their totally. front office decisions. And yeah. I don't think there's anything the front office could have done to get us into the playoffs any better than they, they tried. No. Uh, and they uh, kudos to them for not like for just taking it easy and doing the obvious stuff that needed to be done and just kind of waiting and seeing on, on the other stuff. Um, obviously it doesn't give us a lot to chew on, but like, I think, you know, we'll see what happens with JT Miller. We'll see what happens with Brock Besser or whatever. But like, I think being the new kids on the block and being like, oh, we got to make these deals right away, even if like a good one hasn't materialized. That's often like that's that can be kind of be what kills you when you're a new GM. And so, you know, like I'm I'm looking forward to seeing what kind of moves they make over the offseason. I, I honestly think like, if you look at, you know, how the Canucks performed under Boudreaux, like, obviously, I think it's a total it's a total crock of shit to be like, oh, they're they're a hundred and six point, you know, team under Boudreaux or whatever, which, by the way, is still only like 12th in the NHL. Yeah, we're, I feel like one of you uh, showed a showed a stat. If you compared every other team from yeah. when Boudreaux came in, we weren't we were still in the middle of the pack. At yeah, best. like just right, above yeah. the middle. Like I think between 11th and 13th was where they were. Right. Okay. They were dancing like 11th, 12th or 13th, sort of dancing in and around there uh, under Boudreaux. But like, I think if you look at that, like you can tell a Boudreaux coach team is not going to is not going to go down lightly. Like that's obvious. If he can coach this team to uh, the record that they had, that bodes well for the future with hopefully a much better roster. I think based on what they have in house right now, it makes sense for them to not do a total like teardown rebuild. And I think like with, with if they nail their off season, they could improve their long-term prospects and make it into the playoffs next year. And they can, they yeah. nail their, and we're going to get into the main question here. Yeah. Can they nail their off season without trading Miller? No. That's the that's the thing they have to do. The thing that they have to do, I think, to to nail their offseason is trade JT Miller for the best package available. Have Connor Garland eat most of those minutes, uh, particularly on the power play and try to clear out one or two of the like problematic uh, contracts on the back end. I think probably Tyler Myers, the one of Myers. Ekman Larson or Pullman. Pullman. Okay. Yeah. I mean, if they got a third for Hamannick, I think they can find a taker for, I think they can find a taker for Tyler Myers, Myers, honestly. Um, I don't think, I think like with the way he, he had his best year in a while this year, he doesn't have a ton of time left on his deal. Uh, he doesn't have a lot of money left on his deal with, with bonuses and such. So um, yeah, I mean, I think, if you look at kind of what what happened over the full full season, like I don't buy the argument for even a second that Jim Benning actually built this really good team and it was just the coaching that was uh, the problem. But I do think that like if you get a full season from Elias Pettersson where he doesn't, you know, spend the first three months uh, nursing a wrist injury and trying to get his general manager fired that you probably have like a guy who can be top 30 in the NHL and scoring would have been if you take his point base and extrapolate it over a full season. So, you know, add a couple of good prospects into the mix, Vasily Pudkolzin taking another step. And, you know, it's really just, if they can rebuild that defense, like the Pacific's not a great division. And I kind of think for a number of different reasons, it sort of never can or will be when you have two other teams in Canada that are just like, obviously Calgary is really good this year, but like Edmonton is just always going to have like brain poisoning. And then those Southern California teams, like, like LA is fine. They'll probably get better. Anaheim might be scary, but like, other than that, there isn't really a team in the near future that scares me. So, you know, I think, I think they can turn it around. Uh, We'll see. That's all I have to say about that. We'll see. You had um, when you were over at my house. You're, you're also. Uh, this might be a good time to squeeze in your thoughts about Seattle Kraken after a year. Also, 
Oh, yeah. Um, sure. You had some interesting thoughts on that because we were talking about uh, how people judge them versus the, the Golden Knights. Um, and I think I think what we were talking about is that they probably actually did the best thing they could have done uh, even from the start because they had different circumstances. Yeah. I think that's the point that I brought up where first Seattle versus Vegas. If you're making a team in Vegas, think about the competition, not in the league, but in the mm-hmm. city itself as an entertainment option. Yeah, You have to strike gold immediately. You have to get butts and seats immediately. You have to give them a reason to be there. So they had to have the team that they had. Obviously, some things went in their favor, but not yes. too differently than what was available, uh, at least on paper, uh, for what Seattle did. But in Seattle, everybody's just... Same thing as what would happen if Quebec City gets a team, if Saskatoon gets a team. I know that's pretty off the mark, but yeah, sure. Uh, everybody's just happy to get a team there, so they can they can build slowly. And I think I, I don't know the rest of what to say say there about Seattle, but I think you told me that they were planning on just having prospects they could trade or assets they could trade. Well, so what what I said was, and and this is this is kind of building off of the the take I sort of had to begin with the Kraken, which is that like the Kraken couldn't make trades for expansion considerations. The league colluded against them to make that happen to avoid another Vegas situation where everyone looks extremely stupid. So what you alluded to previously is that like the Seattle Kraken already have a top 10 team in dollar valuation. Their team is worth more money than the Canucks right now. Um, just because of, I don't even, I don't know how that shit's determined, but like, I guess because of their location and their arena and yada, 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 like they already got what they wanted by being uh, like by getting a team basically. And they, as you, as you also alluded to earlier with Vegas, like they don't have the same kind of competition there. It's the only game in town right now. And so when you look at what they did like a year later, I think my initial theory bears out, which is that they took the players in the expansion draft that they thought would basically have the most trade value at a later date and that they're trying to build this team sort of the old fashioned way, like through the draft prospects, et cetera, et cetera. Because if you look at like I have an article here pulled up about like the sixth trade, the six trades that they made at the deadline. And if you look at it like, okay, Seattle Kraken trade Cal Yarncroak to the Calgary Flames for a second, a third, and a seventh, right? Like if a year ago the Kraken got a second, a third, and a seventh to not take Yarncroak from the Predators, everyone would have been like, wow, what an amazing trade by the Kraken. Just a great, just way to like take value for expansion considerations. But they do this a year later, and it's like poo-poo, nobody cares because they have one of the worst teams in the league, you know? And um, and this is kind of a trend like, you know, Giordano on an expiring deal. They get him and uh, they trade him and Blackwell for uh, two seconds and a third, you know? So they're, uh, yeah, they didn't have the, um, the Vegas style, like, season that i mean would have been like that'll never happen again like an expansion no. team will never reach the stanley cup final in their first year like ever again it was a once in a except if there is a second team in toronto then i guarantee you that will happen. okay yeah fair <laughs> enough um but like you know they they didn't they didn't do what vegas did because they they didn't but the thing that people have to remember is vegas didn't do the thing that people think vegas did either most people thought that they had a pretty mediocre expansion draft after the fact and then they just like got an extremely fluky 41 goal season from William Carlson and you know got lucky in the playoffs or whatever like um, but if you you know if you kind of look at what they've done now like they have this this huge pack of assets and you know the Philip Grubauer deal looks really bad and the Jaden Schwartz deal looks pretty bad but like a lot of people just got mad at them for not taking like the expensive players that could have built them like a decent top six and a decent top four that could have maybe made them a good bet to be like third in the Pacific right off the hop. But I don't think that's what they want. Like, I think they want to build this team the old fashioned way, kind of like, you know, 
get the attention for being the new team in the city and then grow this fan base by like slowly over time building a a real like cup contender. And I think like if you look at the deals that they've made, they're basically a rebuilding team. And we know that like long term, that's generally the best way to build a team. It's not to do uh, the thing where you, you know, you take James Van Riemsdyk and like he's good for two years, but then what? You know, and the only yeah, they're, thing they're really... in a blissful, blissful situation where they don't have the pressure to, yeah, uh, try to retool or stay in it because they're from scratch. And I mean, like, like look at Jared McCann. Like, chances are Jared McCann will not be on that team when it's good, but he is gonna he's gonna be worth a hell of a lot more when they trade him than he was when they selected him. You know, and I think that's kind of what they were what they were looking at because they picked a lot of guys that where people were like, what the fuck? Why did you pick that guy? And then like, okay, here's a good one. Jeremy Lozon, right? That was a guy that I remember thinking like, why did they pick that guy? He's like a 25 year old defenseman who hasn't really cracked into the league. And they traded him to Nashville for a second rounder at the deadline. Right. So like, I think, I think they, that's kind of like what they, what they did basically was, they picked these guys that they assumed later later on down the road they would get the returns for them that they couldn't get in expansion. It was delayed consideration, basically. Yeah, yeah. yeah. delayed delayed by a year. Um, yeah, and so everybody had to take at the beginning that it, it didn't go well. But no, you had to look long term. Yeah, because yeah, exactly. Circumstances are back to normal now. Yeah, more or less, anyways. So, um, I think the the play the the way to close this out is uh. Obviously, um, as of date of recording, it is the the first day of the NHL playoffs. We're not going to go through every series. We can talk about the series when they're over. But I thought it would be fun to just ask both of you, and I'll go as well. Who is your pick for cup winner this year? Who you got going all the way? I'll start with you, Vias. Okay. My my pick, I'm glad I got to pick first. My pick is Florida. Yeah. Uh, It's so funny that that, seems like I'm taking the obvious choice right now. Yeah. At least to me, that to me it feels like the obvious choice. Um it all depends on Bobrovsky. Uh and yeah. if he can remember Ian Clark's phone number and <laughs> try to get his old lessons. Uh that plus having having Claude Giroux uh injected into your lineup, w- what team wouldn't immediately become better in the playoffs if they had Claude Giroux injected into their lineup or rejuvenated? Yeah player at the same time and you have to root for them with him and joe thornton it's there's there's too much good going on there um it would be excellent if they you know i, I don't want to i don't want to spoil it because i think this other team might be one of your choices but if there's a rematch of a Stanley cup final going on that would be super um, dumb yeah yeah That'd but i fun. i do just that i i do also think that tampa will win the series they're in right now um yeah and so i'm excited yeah. for that all florida series yeah, I agree. Yeah. Even though even though the Leafs won five nothing today, yeah. I I don't that I still think anything. it doesn't. Yeah, mean I watched yet. that game it's and just I just kept win. thinking. Yeah, I just kept thinking like this is a team that has won twice. They will do like there's no better team who can learn from a five nothing loss than them. Yeah, yeah, is, is my they're a team that also like got decimated by uh, Columbus the year before they won the cup, right? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So they're just they're, just doing, before, too, before. they're, they're doing the speed run of that basically. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Elliot, yeah. Who do you who do you got? Uh, I have Carolina. Yeah. I don't have a ton of like logic or reasoning behind this, other than that they're just a, like they are a very good team. Yeah. There's nothing particular that makes people say they're going to go over the top of this year as opposed to like any of the last two or three years. I also think they slightly have an easier route to the final. I think that's entirely fair. Um, oh yeah, I think the that's Avalanche a good are gonna, like between Minnesota and St. Louis, one of those teams is good. Admittedly, Calgary doesn't have much going on in their division. Yeah. Um, other than like the Oilers, depending on whether or not the two best players in the world are better than like having twenty guys who are just there. Yeah, totally. Who are all good. Yeah. Holy shit! There is a potential for a Battle of Alberta series. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, like it's reasonably likely. <laughs> we could have a battle of Alberta and a battle of Florida in the second round, which would, and I it would be very cool. 
But, yeah. That's hilarious. The two worst subnational <laughs> governments. Yeah, totally. Um, I I will say I was I won't say Carolina now because um, that's dumb. I know like, why you're rooting for them, but yeah, I, I am rooting for them because of Reese, obviously. Um, that's where but, that's uh, where they're made. Reese's pieces. That's right. Uh, yeah. But I will I will I say don't pronou- I don't actually pronounce it like that. I just okay. hear other people say it. Like um, I will say though. Just to back up what Elliot said about the Hurricanes, they have the best record in the East heading into the playoffs in the last 10 games, which is usually uh, pretty predictive. Yeah. Um, They are the best defensive team in the league, which I think will play um, a huge role, especially in the playoffs when we know like there's less power plays, there's less penalties that get called. Um, play tends to be chippier. It tends to be a little less dangerous. And I I also think like a a lot of the offense is going to dry up because the reason why scoring is up so much this year isn't something that's necessarily going to carry over into the playoffs, like familiarity, like, or lack thereof um, that dries up in the playoffs when you're playing a team over seven games, Uh, the wide disparity in talent, also won't be there in the playoffs. Every team in the playoffs is going to be relatively good. Um, and yeah, they, they allow like the least of any team in the league, uh, like the least uh, high danger shots or whatever. And I think they have maybe the deepest roster. So um, I think Carolina's a very good pick. I think uh, Florida's a very good pick too. I'll say the Avalanche just filed under it's their time. <laughs> you know, yeah. like they've been they've been a good team for a while. Uh, they have one of the best offenses in the league. They have probably maybe the best defenseman in the game uh, right now. Kale and um, in Kale McCarr. And wow. here, let me just take a look at uh, they. They're the only thing they don't have really going for them is their record heading into the playoffs. It's quite trash. Yeah, I just looked so, at that. Um, like Minnesota and St. Louis run away with that. Absolutely. Um, which makes yeah. their series pretty interesting. But. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I like them ultimately more than Calgary, I think. And that's the other team to, uh, to beat in the West and their team, their record, like isn't fantastic heading into the playoffs either. So I think the avalanche have that thing where they've just had it sewed up for so long. Wait, that Daryl uh, Sutter has only been in the coach this year, right? This year and last, I believe. Okay, yeah. I I am always scared of a Daryl Sutter coach Fair. hockey team. Yeah, uh, so uh, that seems to be my factor for for why I think Calgary could couldn't go deep in the West is coaching. Totally, um, I know totally Ed, Edmonton. Edmonton has an interim coach. I what's what's their last like ten looking like here? Seven two and one, pretty good. Seven two and one. Okay, that's yeah. not bad. Okay, yeah, it's good. So yeah, I mean, it's it's going to be uh, it's going to be an I think a really great playoffs because most years you really only have a team or two that feel like they're really maybe three like really really a good a true contender and a good bet to win the cup. I think we have like four. four really really powerhouse teams like four teams that in any other year would easily be the best team in the league um that are all like vying for it right now and one of those teams isn't the team that just won back-to-back stanley cups like none of us have really mentioned tampa none of us picked tampa but like would it surprise you at all if tampa won the stanley cup this year it wouldn't Absolutely no. not. not so, yeah, not really. When Tampa Bay is like the fifth or sixth best bet to win the Stanley Cup, you know you're in for like a wild ride. And I mean, it sucks that the Canucks didn't make it, that they kind of just missed. Would have been really fun uh, to, to see them pull that off, like Harold Drukin yeah. style. Yeah, I'm, but, um, I'm, yeah, I'm choked that they nor the Raptors uh, get to go to the playoffs like deeply. Yeah. Um, Cause now I like, I'm not going to be working for a little while. I'm purposely taking some time off and I'm like, fuck yeah, I can watch the sports. Yeah. And the two teams I'm most interested in are out. So get into the blue Jays. I'm, I, I watched my first like nearly complete blue Jays game a couple nice. weeks ago. Um, now, since nice. we brought up the Canucks, I know, I know we want to close this out, but I just have a yeah. couple of questions, kind okay, of questions. Sure. One first, I just want to, can you describe to me the feeling you had about Miller and his 
points total total uh what what do you mean like well it looks like he only has 99 points and i just want to hear you talk about how that makes you feel i had i did have a shit eating grin when they tried (laughs) so hard to get him to 100 and it didn't happen um I mean, I've I've listed my feelings on JT Miller many times, but like I do think like, look, obviously you score 99 points. You had an amazing season and you're very good. I also think of the history of 99 point seasons, this is one of the more like nothing ones to the extent that you could say that. And I just like I was getting uh uh, like an aneurysm from people comparing it to uh, like Nasland and Bertuzzi's seasons during the West Coast Express era. And I feel like we would have had to hear about it way more if he got to 100. So, uh, yeah, I had a big shitty grin that uh, that he couldn't okay. do it. I, I really was curious what what is the narrative about this kind of this kind of how this kind of season is gone at the end of it from mainstream sources, because I straight up I'm not. I don't know what people are saying about it. I don't know if people are saying it's success. I don't know what the the mood is in the in the press galleries, etc. Um, and I why would are say they wrong? Nationally, the opinion seems to be that they've done really well, and that you know it's just a matter of bring Bruce back for a full season, and you're good to go. And good for those pesky little Canucks. Nationally, it feels a lot, or uh, locally, it feels a lot more muted, uh, largely mm. because like Drance is so down on them. Um, and he right. has has like an outsized influence. Um, you know, I don't I also think like the I don't think that the front office is that high on this roster. So that kind of mutes things a little bit um, in terms of what they're probably saying to people uh, publicly and privately. So, you know, what? Um, that's awesome. That seems like best case scenario. For absolutely. Me, yeah. 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 No, I agree. Like I, you know, I think most people seem to have outside of the that group of people that you know are just going to be like you know they're bending dead enders but they're also just going to love whatever the canucks do anyways yeah yeah, so it doesn't matter like outside of those people who you know we're never going anywhere anyways it seems like most people are kind of taking like a wait and see what they do over the offseason kind of attitude because yeah like it has been promising i'm looking forward to seeing what they do i feel pretty good about their chances of like at least becoming like a decent team in the near future. Um, but like we have to see what they do first because they really haven't done much yet. They, yeah. they have like the highest approval rating of for a team that has done nothing <laughs> um, <laughs> that I think I've ever seen, but yeah. you know, there's reason for that. It's good signs. So yeah. Um, thanks Thank for you. listening guys. Uh, here's to another hundred. Um, that's probably not happening, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, yeah. We'll just say it, uh, just for the hell of it. Yeah. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Valson McDonald. You can follow me on Twitter at Viasteran. Also, if you have a really cool job opportunity, hit me up. Sam. <laughs> yeah. You can follow me on Twitter at Moose Kayak. Don't forget to follow the show at Roxy Fever. Subscribe to the Patreon, patreon.com slash Roxy Fever. We will have, um, bonus audio don't jinx it don't jinx it from this episode up soon hopefully (laughs) okay yeah um yeah uh good night and enjoy this edmonton elders loss on home ice absolutely thanks for listening guys Jim, he, uh, whoa, whoa, I just realized my dad's name is Jim. I'll put that in the credits. <laughs> These pretzels are making me thirsty. I have one. Oh, I only have two lines. Yeah, your, yours is easier. You, I somehow <laughs> I somehow managed to give Elliot more dialogue oh, than you. <laughs> it's great. Um, okay. So, Elliot goes... He's, he's not Jim Benning, 
Yeah. So, so the way the way this is gonna play is like um, this is just all we did. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> this is so fun. <laughs> so try try to try to say it like you're like you're almost crying. Okay, okay. Uh, okay. How can I be sad in this situation? <laughs> because someone keeps telling me that he's not Jim Because you really believe in, in, in okay. me being Jim Okay. Because I really believe that he exists. Okay. You're, you are playing the role of the little kid in this in this movie, and I'm Tim Allen. And, and instead of me being... Santa Claus, I'm doing better. <laughs> okay, what I'm doing right now is I'm holding the mic up high like I'm looking up at somebody. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God.